0: You can think on His Word. You can meditate. You can mull it over. You can renew your mind. You can get rid of your thoughts and put in His thoughts. When we encourage our children to really hide His Word, to treasure it in their hearts, it's because it changes you. It transforms you. And uh, Jesus said, Abide in my words. He didn't just say, Grab a quick five minutes. He said, live in them, dwell in them. That's what the word abide, continue, uh, spend time in God's word. Now, having
1: said all this, let me just ask you, are you renewing your mind? Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott concludes the message titled, Be Transformed. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started.
0: And it could be that you're here, you've been bouncing along in your Christian life, You wish you were more like Christ. You wish you had more power over sin. You wish you weren't so easily bullied by the world. And you feel yourself impotent to do much about it. You wish you weren't conformed to this world, but you haven't seen much happen. It could be that you've missed this crucial connection between transformation and the renewal of the mind, and what Paul says is possible. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? He raises the same question, and he answers it. But we have the mind of Christ. Think about that. Who could know the mind of God? But we have the mind of Christ. What does he mean by that? Well, don't rip it from its context. Read the context surrounding verse 16. Go go back with me to verse 9. And some of these words are very familiar, but uh, so often this is missed. Verse 9, Just as it is written, in fact, you know what? I want to look at the whole context. Go back to verse (laughs) 1. When I came to you, brethren, see, watch the connection of Paul. When I came to you, brethren, I didn't come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. What did he come with? Not the word of men, but the word of God, the testimony of God. I didn't come with slick persuasion or superiority of eloquence i came with the testimony of god and read those next eight verses this afternoon and realize that it's a, in summary you could you could think of what paul said to the thessalonians when i came to you i thank god that you accepted what we had to share with you the gospel the word of truth for what it really is the word of god not the word of man So he's dealing with the Word of God. He said, I brought the testimony of God to you. Now verse 9. Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Things you could never dream of. All that God has prepared for those who love Him. You know, I've heard this verse misused more than I've heard it used rightly because it's so beautiful. And I think we almost instinctively think about what? Heaven. And so you'll hear it at funerals. Things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, all that God has prepared, things we could never dream of, God has prepared for us in heaven. That's not what he's talking about. It's true enough. I don't think we can think too high a thoughts of heaven. But he's not talking about the grandeur of heaven here. He said things which you could never come up with on your own, things that your mind can't get naturally, all that, verse 10, or I should say the end of verse 9, God has prepared for those who love Him, for Christians, for to us, verse 10, God revealed them through the Spirit. It's not He's going to show us someday in heaven. It's to us God has revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Things we could never come to on our own, things our mind could never grasp, God has revealed. He's talking about revelation here. He's talking about the Word of God. He's taken the mind of the Spirit, the thoughts of the Spirit, and combined them with the words. And we've got it. (laughs) The mind of Christ. The mind of God, it's called there in verse 11. The thoughts of God. Nobody knows that except God, and He's communicated it to us. He combines spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Now the natural man... Look at verse 14. A natural man doesn't accept these things, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. He's not only blind... And he can't understand them, but he won't understand them. He does not accept them. Before you came to Christ, maybe you thought, Oh, the Bible, I don't want to hear that. But now you've turned to the Lord, the veil has been lifted, and you're no longer a natural man. You're a spiritual man. You've been born of the Spirit. And we have in our hands this revelation from God called I wouldn't use this term if he didn't. Verse 16, the mind of Christ. The natural man, it's foolishness. Why waste your time every Sunday just looking at every word? What a boring deal. But to the spiritual man, he who is spiritual, verse 15, appraises all things. And yet he himself is appraised by no man. The spiritual man delights in the Word of God. He feeds on the Word of God. He gladly assents to what Jesus said. You can't live on bread alone. you got to have every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Christian feeds on the Word of God, and he gets the mind of Christ. Oh, Christian, do you see how crucial it is that you and I renew our minds we must have god's thoughts on things we've got the mind of christ but now listen it isn't just it doesn't just happen it's i think sometimes christians quote that even we have the mind of christ do we or don't we you get more of the mind of christ as you spend time listening to him as you abide in his Word as you really go for it. In other words, you reprogram your thinking. Now, we said last time, when you came to Christ, before I, before I was a Christian, before you were a Christian, the natural state we're born into, our minds are depraved. Romans 1 started that way. Man turns away from God and God gives him over to impure hearts, weird, perverse, not the way it was meant to be, passions, and a depraved mind. To approve the things that are not proper. Depravity basically means that man's ability to process and think is all messed up. And man can't really discern right and wrong. He can get close. He can approximate. He, and he. there's a conscience. Don't misunderstand me. And men are held accountable. But you see it all around you today in the world. The natural man does not accept the things. He can't accept the things of God. But a spiritual man, he sees things. You come to Christ and say, why well, doesn't everybody see this? You see how beautiful it is when a Christian marriage is centered around Christ and obeys His word in the power of His Spirit. And you say, why don't we always do this? But there's this process of getting the mind of Christ. And that's why he said, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. You don't just say, oh, praise God, I've got his mind now. No, if you act that way and if you operate that way, you'll go along in spiritual infancy and babehood. And it's sad to see that. Christians who have never really renewed their mind, they've bought into the idea. Maybe you have. that The Christian life is just kind of getting in a zone and just saying, praise Jesus. No. Don't misunderstand me. There's an awful lot of joy. There's an awful lot of praise Jesus in the Christian life. But that flows and that's tied to intellectually understanding these things. Growing in your knowledge of Christ. Growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Renewing your mind, thinking God's thoughts after Him. And if you have been studying the Word, if you've been diligent to be a good workman, like He says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, then you know what I'm saying. You know, oh yeah, there's nothing like it. You get up from your Bible, you've had some real time in God's Word, and the natural expression is praise the Lord. I can't believe how good he is. And you delight in talking about him and singing praises to him and worshiping him in the presence of other believers. But you don't just try to conjure that up. That's an overflow of really knowing him, knowing the mind of Christ. Renewed in the spirit of your mind, the Holy Spirit transforms you. That's how he does it. That's how He does it. And you and I need it. Our mind, our understanding, Ephesians 4 said, is darkened as non-Christians. We didn't have any clarity. But He said, you didn't learn Christ in that way. And He said, renew your mind. And so you come to the Scripture, and you don't just merely say, oh, He's given us the mind of Christ. He's put His law in our hearts. In one sense, that's true. But in another sense, you and I need to cooperate. And you'll find that Christians that are transformed are Christians who abide in His Word. Christians who grow and become more Christ-like to where their attitudes and their the tone at work and their conversation, you just see more and more Christ is because they're spending more and more time with Him. They're renewing their mind. They're renewing their mind. Not tell you, it doesn't just happen, it takes work. You need to consciously mull things over. Remember that first psalm says, How blessed is the man who doesn't get all his input from the world, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. He chews it over. He mulls it over. That's why I encourage people, and one of the best things that you can do in the Christian life is to actually memorize God's Word. And then you've got it, and while you're at work, while you're driving, in the quietness of moments in the evening, you can think on His Word. You can meditate. You can mull it over. You can renew your mind. You can... Get rid of your thoughts and put in His thoughts. And that's why those who give themselves to the Word of God so often are those who will memorize large portions of the Scripture. That isn't a contest. That isn't just an academic uh, deal to just see, you know. But when we encourage our children to really hide His Word, to treasure it in their hearts, it's because it changes you. It transforms you. And uh, Jesus said, abide in my words. He didn't just say, grab a quick five minutes. He said, live in them, dwell in them. That's what the word abide, continue. Uh, Spend time in God's word. Now, having said all this, let me just ask you, are you renewing your mind? You say, well, Scott, I'm here. I'm glad you're here. I'll tell you, this is a crucial aspect of it. God has told he told us to not forsake our assembling together and one of the healthy things that happens when you gather around God is that you gather around his word and his word does its work in your life but don't try to exist on one meal a week or two meals a week now get regular feeding feed yourself abide in my word and let my words abide in you The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Get into it and let it do its work in your life daily. That's why I told Joshua, don't let the words of this book depart from your mouth and your heart, and I'll prosper you. Get into God's Word. Now, the results. The results of renewing your mind, quite simply, look at verse 2 again and notice... It will be transformation. This transformation isn't immediate. It's not like instant maturity. Uh, You'll be tempted for shortcuts. Anything in life worth having usually takes time. And this is no exception to that. To really see your life transformed, you've got to abide in His Word and there will be transformation. Remember that. Keep the big picture out there. Remember That's what God wants to do. But don't look for immediate results. Don't look for results in a week. You're in this for the long haul. Enjoy Him daily. Get into His Word, and He will transform you. We've got His Word on it. This transformation occurs by renewing your mind. And I'll give you four results that kind of express this transformation. First of all, you will know the will of God. Everybody says, what's the will of God? You'll know it. That's what he says here. That you might prove or discern and actually model forth the will of God, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, we'll get into that more next time. But you'll know the will of God. Secondly, there'll be victory in your life. Because this renewing of the mind is regularly used in parallel with the mind of the spirit or the power of the spirit and in contrast to the works of the flesh look back in romans just look at romans look at the last verse of chapter 7 of romans you remember when paul talked about his struggle and basically it's a struggle you know going on between the flesh and the spirit and he said as he summarized what what, what he'd seen in chapter 7. He said, Thanks be to God. Last verse, verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my, what? Mind. Am serving the law of God. But on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. You renew your mind and you'll be, in contrast to living in the flesh, you'll be serving and obeying the law of God. And he goes on and develops that in chapter 8. You can look at verse 6. He says, The mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. There will be victory. Because God's will for you and for me is victorious. He wants us to live the life of Christ. He says, it isn't just religious words, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He really wants the life of Christ to be evident in my life. And so as I renew my mind, there will be increasing victory over temptation, over sin, over actual habits, you name it. God transforms you and there will be victory. Uh, We'll probably talk about it more, but, you know, when he said, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you in Colossians, it's parallel to... Be filled with the Spirit the Holy Spirit's ministry is one that's uniquely tied to the Holy Word the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word go together and so you renew your mind and you will watch the Holy Spirit I often think of it this way it's like we untie his hands when we get into the word because the Holy Spirit doesn't work apart from his word generally speaking in our lives It's the spirit-filled Christian who is the word-filled Christian, and it's the one who gives himself to the word that is allowing the Holy Spirit's voice to guide and direct him, to control his life. There'll be victory. And then third and fourth, two other results, and then you could summarize three and four. If you wanted to, we could give them, we could make nine. (laughs) But it's too late. And that'd give us eleven, and I said four. When I say nine, I mean this, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. But I'm going to single out two things that I see particularly here in Romans 12 that will happen as we renew our mind, and the first is unity. Be of the same mind with one another, children, the Scripture says. Finally, to sum up, he says in 1 Peter 3, 8, Let all be harmonious same-minded. When when our minds are being renewed, there is a same-mindedness, a one-mindedness. Now, this isn't intellectual lockstep, you know, kind of like just mindless, just whatever the church says. No, not at all. And wherever you see kind of that intellectual desert where people don't think much, they just say, what are the rules? I'll just follow them. And some people think of the Christian life that way. That's not what we're talking about. That's not the same-mindedness we're talking about. It's intellectually rigorous. There's a giving yourself to God's Word. And as you do, as you renew your mind, as you're actively engaged, you begin to think like Christ. And if I'm thinking like Christ and you're thinking like Christ, we're going to be of the same mind. And when the Holy Spirit reigns in a congregation, there won't be little factions over here and over there. He says, no, there'll be unity. There'll be a same-mindedness. In fact... I don't have the time to turn you there, but it was interesting to me in tracing this through that the Corinthian church, (laughs) just if you're familiar with the Corinthian church, squabbles, factions, immorality, drunkenness, lawsuits, sounded like the 20th century, 21st century church, you know. But he starts 1 Corinthians 1.10 with an exhortation to be of the same mind. And you get all the way over to 2 Corinthians 13, I think it's verse 14. He says, be of the same mind. He's calling for this oneness of mind. And in between, of course, he told them how to get it. Chapter 2, we just saw it. The mind of Christ. He's given it to us. Make it yours. There's unity. And finally, there's peace. There is real peace. Peace. Turn over and look at it. Philippians 4. Philippians 4. When your mind is renewed, one of the byproducts, one of the results is real peace. Peace. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. And notice there, he says, The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. Literally, it's beyond what your mind can grasp. It's not something you can just go get. And yet it will come. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A peace that you can't fully grasp, and yet it will guard your intellect. It will guard your heart. It will guard your heart, soul, and mind in Christ Jesus. And so he says, brethren, finally, verse 8, whatever is true. Whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Fill your mind with that which is good and right and pure and honorable. Fill your mind with God's Word, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
1: You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Be Transformed, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Downtown Bible only remains on the air through the generous contributions of listeners like you. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us on a regular basis to help us meet our day-to-day expenses. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast.
0: What is God's will? What? Why did Christ come? I came down to do, not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. What is that? This is the will of Him who sent me. That of all that He has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. Oh, we've enjoyed that in Romans, haven't we? He's not going to get 99 of his 100 sheep in and say, oh, that's good enough. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him may have eternal life. Isn't that good news? I mean, hear, hear me if you hear nothing else. If you're just visiting today, or if you really haven't come to Jesus Christ, maybe you've been looking into Christianity. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Remember this. This is the will of my Father, Jesus said that everyone who beholds the Son
1: and believes in Him may have eternal life. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, The Will of God. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.